right, we are back. Uh, let's do some miscellaneous items here in our third and final segment, uh, such as the fact that uh, former U.S. Representative Cynthia McKinney is going to be the Green Party presidential candidate. Uh, she's apparently could appear on the ballot in as many as 36 states. This is being hailed as her trek back from defeat and an improbable political rebirth. We suspect the hands of Republicans. We kind of like Cynthia McKinney. We've quoted her on this show before. She's said some, you know, some good things. But uh, she is black and she is female and she is uh, running on the Green Party ticket. And every vote she takes from a major party candidate will come from Barack Obama. And no matter what you've heard, this election is going to be a squeaker in November. And swinging just, just one state from Obama to McCain could make the difference. So we're basing this just, just strictly on a hunch. I mean, I'm sure Cynthia McKinney has a lot of genuine supporters among the Green Party, but when it comes to finding money and, uh, and, and support to get on all these ballots in 36 states, we'll, we'll just bet you she's got some help in high places. And, and she may not even be aware of it. Then again, she may not care. Both Ralph Nader and, and Al Sharpton said in the past they didn't care that uh, you know, they knew some of their funding was coming from Republicans. And uh, you may want to mark on your calendar 15 days from now if you're planning to go to Asia, and you're probably not, but uh, there's going to be a total eclipse of the sun. This correspondent plans to be there. I'm hoping on August 1st to be somewhere in the Altai Mountains, located between Kazakhstan and Mongolia, in southern Siberia, just, just above the Chinese border. That's to say if I can get over there. Apparently, Russia has uh, been reluctant to abandon the old Soviet Union's bureaucracy. Have more to say that. Um, have more to say about that on next week's program. But um, things are not so good on on this side of the Atlantic either. Sacramento Bee noted that while visitors from 27 countries can visit the USA without a visa, since the uh, September 11th attacks, it's become difficult to do. First came a requirement for machine-readable passports. Then fingerprints, then photographs. Now, starting next January, anyone traveling by air from the UK, France, Germany, Japan, and the other visa waiver countries will have to register online with the U.S. government at least three days before flying here. At present, uh, these travelers can fill out the form while en route to the United States. If an email comes back saying, travel not authorized, it could be the start of a bureaucratic nightmare for the passenger. It could be a problem as simple as having the same name as someone on a terrorist watch list. And if that's, if that's an example of a simple problem, I'd hate to see what a complex problem is. Noted in New Scientist magazine about this topic, uh, this no-fly list quickly grew beyond the likes of Osama bin Laden to include many other names and aliases. There was, for example, T. Kennedy on the list. And as a result of this, Senator Ted Kennedy was delayed on a number of flights, even though his real name is Edward. And according to the magazine, the list also included Cat Stevens, the former name of the British singer who changed his name to Yusuf Islam and who was banned from entering the U.S. for some years. Now, apparently, this led the wife of Senator Ted Stevens of Alaska, whose name is Catherine Stevens, to be grilled by zealous Transportation Security Administration workers. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, they apparently were confusing the wife of a United States senator 
for a male Islamic singer. And the magazine repeated uh, the Washington Times article we cited a couple weeks back about how security personnel have even been banning federal air marshals from flying. Presumably those officers who ride incognito on passenger jets carrying weapons so they can foil hijackers equip themselves with ample ID, but even so they have trouble talking their way on board if a name matching theirs is on the list. The TSA has pointed out that if your name happens to match someone on the no-fly list, all you need to do is provide the airline with your date of birth. But the magazine notes, well, some bad people have birthdays too. And what happens if you're not the same person, but you have matching birthdays? I don't know. Finally, uh, you know, we, ha- we sometimes in this program have to follow commentaries by Mumia Abu-Jamal. You know Mumia. Live from death row. This is Mumia Abu-Jamal. Well, according to Mother Jones magazine, there, there's a book out now titled The Framing of Mumia Abu-Jamal by J. Patrick O'Connor. Up to this point, I'd studiously avoided researching this, uh, but the only comment I read on this was that in Michael Moore's Dude, Where's My Country? When under a chapter titled, Admit the Left Has Made Some Mistakes, Michael Moore said, Yeah, Mumia probably killed that guy. There, I said it. That does not mean he should be denied a fair trial or that he should be put to death. But because we don't want to see him or anyone executed, the efforts to defend him may have overlooked the fact that he did indeed kill that cop. Said Michael Moore, this takes nothing away from the eloquence of his writings or commentary or the important place he now holds on the international political stage. But he probably did kill that guy. So I delved into this matter and came to the conclusion that Michael Moore is right. Apparently did kill that guy. And actually, I shouldn't say that guy. It was police officer Danny Faulkner. If you check this out on the web, you'll find a lot of commentary saying, you know, uh, Mumia Abu-Jamal is guiltier than OJ. This is said by, in some cases, liberal reporters who covered the case uh, back in Philadelphia. And to make a long story short, uh, Officer Faulkner had pulled over and was attempting to arrest Mumia's brother, William Cook. As they were fighting, Mumia apparently went over and, according to five witnesses, pulled out a gun and shot Officer Faulkner, who, before he died, pulled out his gun and shot Mumia, who was then taken to the hospital. Witnesses at the hospital reporting him, reported him saying, I shot that MFR and hope that MFR dies. When he was taken to the hospital, he had a gun holster on him, and the gun, which was registered to him, was at the scene of the crime, and it was found that the spent shells in the gun matched the bullets in the police officer. Mumia's brother, and for that matter, Mumia himself, have never denied that he shot Officer Faulkner. Now, we must say over the years in this program, we've looked at uh, a lot of what are purported to be conspiracies and found that a lot of them appear to be just that. But uh, without professing to be experts on the topic, we'd say that uh, preliminary research on the matter of Mumia Abu-Jamal does not give us any reason to suspect that, you know, he has been framed. Now, I have to say, dear listener, that if any of you were accused of being a murderer, in fact, were on death row having been convicted of a murder, don't you think at some point along the way you would at least take the time to say, oh, and by the way, I didn't shoot that guy. You know, and when, when, you take, when you take an alleged perpetrator and dig a bullet out of his chest and it matches that of the dead man who'd, who'd fired a gun at his assailant, well, that's pretty good evidence. 
I mean, you would think that, you know, at some point along the way, he'd be tempted to explain, oh, yeah, that thing about the slug in my chest. Here's how I think that happened. And I'm sure what I'm saying is, uh, you know, we're going to find some people out there objecting. So please send us your objections to info at radioparallax.com. We try hard to get things right, and if we get them wrong, we want to offer corrections. Our thanks in today's program to Dr. James Kakalios, and recommend to you very highly that uh, you may want to get a hold of The Physics of Superheroes. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week at the same time.